Rarecast listeners, coming together to help each other is what the rare disease community does best. As the COVID-19 outbreak continues to spread around the world, you'll have questions. Global Genes has created a resource page with information to help. Please visit www.globalgenes.org to see the resource list. And if you have links to add, please send them to advocacy at globalgenes.org. Stay safe and remember, we're all in this together. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Wimps syndrome is a rare inherited primary immunodeficiency disease caused by mutations to the CXCR4 receptor gene. Because of the role CXCR4 plays in the immune system, it's implicated in a number of rare diseases. X4 Pharmaceuticals, a company founded by rare disease pioneer Henry Tamir and other Genzyme alums, is developing a pipeline of CXCR4-targeted therapies. We spoke to Paula Reagan, co-founder, president, and CEO of X4, about WIM syndrome, the role CXCR4 plays in the immune system, and how the company's experimental therapy, Maverixifor, may be able to treat a range of rare conditions. Paula, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a great pleasure to share a little bit more about myself and the company today. We're going to talk about X4 Pharmaceuticals, Wind Syndrome, and your experimental therapy, Maverixifor. Let's start with Wim Syndrome, though. What is it, and how does it manifest itself and progress? Thanks. So, Wim Syndrome is a very serious disease of the immune system. Um, unfortunately, patients are born with this disease, and as a result of the genetics, uh, the genetic problem that underlies these patients' condition, they wind up being born with a weakened immune system, and what happens is their white blood cells, which define the immune system and help you and I fight infections, their white blood cells are trapped in the bone marrow, which produces them, and they're unable to circulate in the, the blood, and unfortunately, that creates a lifelong um serious issue with battling infections and even causes increase in cancer rates because your immune system also helps your body fight off cancer. So it's a really amazing um, challenge for these patients to, you know, live on a year-to-year basis and, and how they've attempted to address it is to either, you know, obviously fight acute infections with antibiotics or at times they have certain drugs such as um, GCS. CCSF and IVIG to help with the chronic immunodeficiency. We love our patients. They're, you know, we hope, hopefully we'll have something um, that we'll be able to deliver to them in the few years coming, and that uh, we hope we'll be able to help really modify the underpinnings of their disease. Uh, how, how is someone generally diagnosed with the condition today? Sure. So initially, it's 
It's initially recognized as having very, very low white blood cell counts, especially neutrophils. So as they kind of go through the journey of being diagnosed, they're first called neutropenia patients. And then as the clinicians kind of start to see the totality of their symptoms, because neutropenia can be caused by many different reasons, but as they start to see the other manifestations of the disease, um, such as the, they get these very severe wart lesions on their hands, um, in certain cases, they are uh, presenting with HCV-associated cancers. So when the dots finally get connected by the clinicians, they're then genetically tested. And it's really the genetics that truly confirms Wynn syndrome. So you can be genetically tested against a commercially available panel. And it's the genetic diagnosis that ultimately um, creates the absolute definition of a Wynn syndrome patient. And how difficult is it to identify patients for a clinical study? Oh, we've been, um, that, that's a little bit of our Genzyme background. So I think, you know, way back when, Genzyme was one of the front runners in really appreciating how to work with these rare patient populations. And it's helped me learn in my own career how we create the right education and awareness and support system for patients. So we've been already engaged for about a year and a half now with patient communities. Um, directly with clinicians in terms of education and awareness. And then we also have a partnership with a, a company that has a diagnostic panel that we're offering free of charge. So the, the diagnosis is um, is not hard other than it's just a, a long journey together to, to create the education awareness so that clinicians actually can think about using the available genetic tests. You, you mentioned Genzyme. Perhaps you can talk a little bit how you came to develop Mavericksifor. Sure. So I, uh, I've been in the industry now for over 20 years, but prior to X4, I was at Genzyme for about six years, and I had the privilege of working with a large group of exceptional people. Um, the company really, to me, and, and my, versus my other experiences, really defined the way to think about patients first. And then that builds a very good business to support that mentality. So I really appreciated having that development and opportunity working there. Um, I did get to know Henry Chamir, thankfully, as part of that process. And um, he did help uh, co-found the company and mentor me in the early days of the company. And then a number of our current um, uh, people at the board level, so our board chairman is Mike Wizka, and uh, um, there are a few other Genzyme folks founding the company. I think these nicely sort of carried the light forward that Genzyme created to create some new light in the biotech ecosystem with X4 by spinning out these assets from Genzyme and creating X4. Well, this drug is targeting CXCR4. What role does that play in the functioning of the immune system? Oh, that's a great question. So a functioning immune system is a, a team of cells that can traffic around your bloodstream and your, um, your lymph organs, your immune system organs. And to be able to traffic, you need to be able to move. It's almost think about, you know, soldiers in an army have to be able to march forward and go up and down the hills that uh, challenge them. So CXCR4 is one of the main receptors um, that signal to a cell to get it moving, to move it out of the bone marrow, and then uh, enable it to track and hone and do its job. 
in, in this rare genetic disease, unfortunately, the, the receptor has a genetic alteration causing it to be overactive. And when it's overactive, it signals the cells to stay put. So it's a stay here versus go forth and conquer signal. And our drug helps compensate for that. Our drug helps blunt and quiet that signal causing the cells to immobilize and creates the right signaling to tell it to go forth and conquer. So what exactly is Mavericksifor and how does it work? Sure, so Mavericksifor is a small molecule drug, so it's a chemical. Uh, it is formulated in a capsule, so patients take a uh, once daily dose of a few capsules. And then how it works is your, you know, your um, GI tract absorbs it, it disseminates in your bloodstream and throughout your body, and it basically targets these uh, immune cells specifically, the immune cells highly overexpressed. CXCR4 is just part of their natural functioning network of, of um, proteins and receptors. And then, unfortunately, in the disease disease part of uh, CXCR4, these receptors are, are overactive and turned on too much. So this is a small molecule antagonist that binds the receptor and basically shuts it off. So it blunts the signaling, uh, that's the excessive signaling caused by the genetic disease. You're currently in late-stage testing of the drug in WIND syndrome. What's the endpoint for the study, and what's the timeline? Yeah, so we have, we're really excited about our global phase three trial. It's um, a trial that's nicely endorsed in terms of its design by both um, the U.S. and European health authorities. So we feel we're very nicely aligned with a single study that could support ultimate approval of the drug should the trial be successful. And the endpoint of the study really is about these, you know, measurement of white blood cells and specifically neutrophils and their ability to, um, to increase their counts in the bloodstream. When patients walk around with neutrophil counts that are an order of magnitude lower than you or I as healthy individuals, and what we're trying to do is elevate those neutrophil counts um, on a daily basis back to a safe zone. So the, the safe zone is getting cell counts above the threshold of 500 cells per microliter. So our endpoint is measuring how many hours a day are these neutrophils above this kind of clear threshold that, that um, gets these patients out of a danger zone of infection. So it's called time above threshold of neutrophils. And what do you know about the drug from studies to date? Yes, we completed a phase two study, um, actually the first part of a phase two study, which was uh, assessing dose. And then we have an open label extension that's ongoing in a number of patients. And what we learned from that phase two study was very, very compelling and encouraging. So what we saw consistently in patients were increases in these neutrophil counts, so a nice correlation with what we're looking for for um, a phase three endpoint and success. But importantly, we also saw clinical impact. It's not just about the number of cells floating around in the bloodstream, but can they do their job? That's a really important element of patient benefit. And in our phase two study, we have observed um, basically a reduction in some of these wart lesions in limb patients. Uh, we published a, a poster on this, but one of our patients had these profound lesions encasing the fingers of her hands, 
uh, also had them on her feet. And you could see this dramatic melting away of these wart lesions over 26 to 50 weeks, and she's continuing on treatment. So we're very pleased to see the clinical activity and benefit in this patient. It's been also noticed in other patients in the phase two. And then we'll, in mid-year this year, we'll be uh, publishing some additional data on the reduction in wart burden from the open-label extension and also reduction in infection rate. So the phase two, to me, the success of that study was a three-legged stool which, which stands up for success. We see this increase in the blood neutrophil counts, which encourages us to be able to hit our primary endpoint in phase three, and then clinical um, benefit in, in terms of infection rate reductions and wart lesion reductions, which you know, from my Genzyme roots, gives me the view that this drug is truly disease-modifying and can really impact the totality of the disease that these patients suffer from. Wimp syndrome is actually part of a, a group of disorders known as primary immunodeficiency diseases. Is there any expectation that Mavirixifor could benefit any of these other disorders? Yes, we're very encouraged that it does have an additional potential to broaden into other diseases that, similar to Wimp syndrome, have low neutrophil counts. There's a, gr a subgroup of immunodeficiencies, uh, which are called severe congenital neutropenias, where, again, similarly, patients are born with low neutrophil counts and have um, profound uh, immunodeficiencies and very high and severe infection rates. What we've seen is that even with Mavirixifor in non-WIM patients, it elevates neutrophil counts quite nicely. So we're now trying to explore the benefit of Mavirixifor in patients with low neutrophil counts, specifically severe genital neutropenia, in the hopes of showing elevation in those neutrophils and then hopefully that translating into clinical benefit for those patients as well. We have a phase 1B study that is up and running currently. And um, we expect to be able to show some preliminary data on that trial, hopefully by the end of uh, 2020. You're also looking at this as a potential treatment for certain cancers. What happens to the immune system in these cancers, and what is Mavirexifor expected to do there? Yeah, that's an, another great question. It's, the human biology here, I think, is, is fascinating. So we are exploring our drug in a very rare form of blood cancer. Uh, the blood cancer is, is called Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. That's a, you know, we'll have to say that to be staff. Um, so Waldenstrom's is a disease where a type of white blood cell, which is called a B cell, has a mutation. And most Waldenstrom's patients, almost 95% of them, have a, a single mutation in a gene called MIDE88, and that drives cancer, unfortunately, for these patients. Previous treatments have shown that they can help these patients, but as treatments have now been approved, it's been better understood that some patients actually have two mutations, not only one mutation in MIDE88, but a second mutation in CXCR4, just like the mutations in our WIM patients. So it's, it's an amazing kind of genetic crosswalk you know, our, our WIM patients are born with it. These cancer patients acquire it in their B cells. And it now, and in the acquired situation, it drives their blood cancers to be um, 
resistant to current standards of care. So we're extremely excited to be trying a phase 1B study in Waldenstrom patients uh, with these double mutations, so both CXCR4 and the MIDE88, in the hopes of, you know, um, providing them meaningful clinical benefit where current standard of care is lacking. And is this expected to be used in combination with other cancer therapies or as a, a single agent? Yeah, great question. So right now it's focused on combination treatment with and with the standard of care in these patients is called the brutinib. Um, we're happy, you know, we're, we're pleased to be able to do it in combination for these patients. Baldenstrom's patients typically have to take drugs for a, a very extended period of time, often years. And so abrutinib is not oral once-daily treatment, and mavericksifor is an oral once-daily treatment. So we're, we think the combination of the two will be really that, you know, disease burden minimizing, life-sustaining combination that really translates into improved clinical outcomes for these patients, but uh, definitely in combination. Paula Reagan, CEO of X4 Pharmaceuticals. Paula, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.